Hey, this episode of the Adventist Millennial Podcast is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. What's the and more? Well, you'll have to go to their website to find out. Thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Everyone, welcome back. I'm excited to talk to you today, but I can't be here for very long because I have a really important errand to go run. Um, so first of all, I have a, another back-to-back interview for you guys. Normally I would, uh, drone on my boring old self, but there's a multitude of reasons why I won't do that. For one thing, my awesome friends over at Burn the Haystack podcast, Josh and Jesse, invited me on their podcast, which was a lot of fun, and that dropped on Wednesday, so if you haven't heard it, go over there to the Burn the Haystack podcast and take a listen, and... As an extra special gift, I'm dropping their episode today so you guys can hear them on my podcast. And we talk about a lot of cool things like Game of Thrones and how we're all going to hell. Um, But the main reason I can't stop and monologue for you guys today is because I have to go visit my brand new niece who was just born. So enjoy this interview and peace out. Well, thank you guys for being here. This is a long time coming in my mind because you guys were the first Adventist podcast that I listened to and still in my mind, one of the best or the best. Just don't tell anyone else I said that. (laughs) I literally just posted it to the group. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in the off chance that my listeners don't know who who you guys are, uh, you want to just sort of introduce yourselves and say a little bit about who are you? Sure, I'll start. Um, my name is Jesse, and um, Josh and I together have this podcast called Burn the Haystack. Um, <coughs> I'm, a, I'm a pastor here in New Zealand, um, and I guess, yeah, I've been in ministry for a couple of years, um, like Josh, and we just kind of had a bit of a, a burning passion to uh, <laughs> really... <laughs> that actually wasn't intentional. I'm, I'm just going to say now, that was not intentional. You are so lame. You should have gone with it as if you'd set it all up. <laughs> um, but no, we, we really felt that it was important to add, um, add a, a new voice to the Adventist conversation because we felt at the time when we started the podcast that majority of the Adventist voices that were speaking into the lives of Adventists, especially young adults, were... Um, probably not the sort of voices that we really resonated with. And whilst we recognize there's room for discussion and there's room for all sorts of opinions and views at the table, we felt like there was an overwhelming sort of majority view that was perhaps a little bit more conservative, perhaps a little bit more out of touch with sort of where people are at, not to mention people who would potentially want to join the the, the Adventist church one day. And so that's partly where... Um, the podcast or the idea for the podcast um, came from. Um, anything to add to that, Josh? Yeah, well, I'm Josh. And as as, as always, Jesse's left me lots of room to say things by not talking lots or anything. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. We just, uh, Burn the Haystack is all about, um, yeah, just, I guess, burning away all the things that we find get in the way of pursuing Jesus in an Adventist context. Um, or really in any context, but the Adventist context is our context. So that's what we feel we can speak the best to. Um, and we just want to burn that away and find out, you know, what's the core of all this and 
what does being an Adventist in 2019, what, is look, what does it look like to follow Jesus in our context um, in 2019 or 2019, 2019? Nice. <sighs> <laughs> uh, 20 clown world teen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Okay, so um, you guys are both like young, hip pastors who want to <laughs> redefine the conversation um and what i wanted to talk about with you guys is pop culture in adventism because we've grown up uh with kind of sort of the prevailing sentiment being like oh be really careful what you watch and what you listen to and what you allow yourself to be exposed to because it's so dangerous and stuff um and i wanted to know as pastors what are some of the kinds of pop culture that you consume or that you like mm. um me personally um i i guess yeah i i love um i love netflix i watch lots of shows on netflix um probably my i guess if we're going to get specific uh probably my favorite was stranger things um, nice i also really i just recently watched it but i loved the umbrella academy um that was amazing Ooh. surprising surprising left hook out of that one but a friend recommended it oh, to really? me and i was like okay yeah, i'll try it and i was like oh wow <laughs> and honestly <laughs> once it was over i was kind of sad because i was like what am i gonna watch now and i, I scrolled and I, nothing could f- i just wanted to watch it again it was so yeah. good yeah and i love um i have a nintendo switch so i love playing nintendo games mario That's- kart yes and uh, legend of <laughs> zelda long time franchise i've loved that franchise since i was a little kid so um, yeah, I guess that. Oh, and I guess I watched a little bit of anime. I used to because my friends used to watch it, but I, I haven't watched much lately. But yeah, those are probably my big ones, I guess. Oh, and YouTube. That's pop culture, like yeah. PewDiePie. Yeah, yeah. I love PewDiePie. The mm. memes. Oh, yeah. the memes. Um, Do memes count as pop culture that I'm consuming? Yeah, are you kidding? That's like the heart and soul of pop culture. True. Okay, so that's my number one <laughs> consumption is just memes. Dank <laughs> memes. Yeah, the dankest <laughs> memes. <laughs> Uh, okay jesse what are some of the things you're into um i think probably the first sort of bit of pop culture that i was exposed to as a child was i remember my parents getting me um a complete set of the chronicles of narnia when i was when i was a young young boy Uh, i had no idea what this book series was i had never heard about it before this was in the days of dial-up internet so it's not like you know I i grew up knowing what everything was um so I read those and I basically obsessed over them for a few years and then I discovered The Hobbit um, mm-hmm. and my, my parents were good Christian parents. They didn't really, they, I was, I was banned from Harry Potter. I knew that. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, homeschooled, homeschool Adventist family. <laughs> uh, you know how it is. Yes, our uh, kind. Now oh. I feel guilty because I watched and enjoyed Harry Potter. <laughs> well... To be fair, in in recent years, I think it was three years ago, I went through and I watched them with my wife and um, eh, they were good, but I, I feel like I did miss out on that sort of being a, didn't a child. didn't have the same impact they would have when you were 12. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I went from uh, the Chronicles of Narnia into The Hobbit, which then, of course, inevitably led into The Lord of the Rings. And so that became my new obsession for, for many, many years. I consumed the books and the movies. And then in college, I um, was introduced to Game of Thrones when when it was first coming out, season one. Um, and I wasn't, I, I wouldn't have gone out of my way to watch it because everybody said how violent and, you know, <laughs> full of violence and sex. 
and but I got inevitably introduced to it by some of my college friends who um and we, and then I kind of got hooked on it. I read the books. I haven't read all the all the books, but um I am I'm current. I'm up to uh watching season 8 right now cuz yeah, it's just out nice. right now. So So my initial thought on this is here we have all of your description of your childhood with very kosher, like allegorical, Christian friendly <laughs> pop culture, and then suddenly a hard turn into like soft porn game of thrones. <laughs> <laughs> so either I mean, I feel like there's a case to be made here that all of that kosher Christian fiction mm-hmm. is a gateway mm-hmm. fiction Ooh. and we should just wipe it all out. It was a slippery slope, I tell you what, Emily. <laughs> my um my, my, my moral downfall all started with C. S. Lewis. Oh <sighs> God bless. Yep. Started with Veggie Tales. That was the real <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the first the first step on the slippery slope. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, no, that's a good, that is a good, uh, I guess we know your answer, spoiler alert, but I was going <laughs> to ask you guys, what's your take on the whole, should Christians watch Game of Thrones question? Jesse and I actually differ on this slightly, um, and you sort of already know where Jesse's come from. I, I never got into Game of Thrones at first, and then later I felt like, oh, I just want to know, like, what's, what's everybody going on about? And then I just, I watched... I just decided for myself, I'm like, you know what? I think this is like three years ago or something. And I was just like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to give it a try. So I just like started and I was like, wow, this show is intense. And then I just binge watched <laughs> like four seasons. And I got to a certain scene in the fourth season. And I just remember thinking, you know what? I'm done. Like, and everybody, when I tell them the exact scene, they're like, why would you stop there? And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. for me, it was just like, I was just sick of bad guys winning. I was sick of feeling down all the time when I watched and I finished an episode. And I felt like I watched enough to know what people are talking about, the characters that they like, all that kind of thing. I really enjoyed the story. But for me, I just felt like there were a whole lot of moments when I was watching it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. I don't want to think about or see that ever again. But then I'd keep watching. And then I guess there just came a moment that for me, I was like, I'm good. Like, I don't feel the need to tell people whether they should watch it or not. But for me, mm-hmm. I got to a point where I decided, no, this isn't like the story is still really cool. And I still would like to know what happened to all the characters, but I have no desire to watch it anymore because I'm just like, well, no, I kind of, I have a little temptation to watch it, but I, I'm like, oh no, I just, it's not for me. It sort of got just too much um, for yeah. my journey. And I just felt it like it was at the stage where it was, I don't know, not helping anymore. Sounds to <laughs> me guess. like you just don't appreciate art. <laughs> Pro- yeah, probably, no. yeah. I'm just an uncultured swan. No, I mean, I, I think that's a legit... That's kind of me too. I started with the books. I listened to three or four of them, and I tried to watch the series, um, and I couldn't get through the first season. I was just like, I don't really care. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know... For for me though, I think it's more of the the uh, the format of it because I really struggle with um, ensemble uh, stories with so many different plot lines and so many characters. Oh right, yeah. So that was hard. the biggest thing for me. Um, but yeah, so Jesse, what's the what's the 
justification. <laughs> I feel <laughs> so. I feel like either I, I'm supposed to be going on the defense now in, right, in defense right. of Game of Thrones, or like justifying a pastor watching the TV series <laughs> that is apparently so evil and despicable. You know, I think I think it's really interesting because I don't disagree with majority of what both of you have already said about Game of Thrones. It's it's super violent. The bad guys kind of seem to win all the time, um, and it, it it is it is convoluted, mind you. Coming from loving the Lord of the Rings and reading the Silmarillion and the Children yeah. of Hurin and and those, I love I love that stuff. I love the genealogies and the complicated plot lines. So that part I really dig, but the uh, ultra violence I I don't dig. I I don't love it. I'm not. I'm I'm very much not watching it just to see a man get flayed alive. I'm like, yeah, he got his he got his brain squashed out. Yeah. And that sort of stuff does happen. Um, not to mention the um, the sexual content and all that sort of stuff, which can be quite uncomfortable when you have like a bunch of Christian guys in the room watching this scene. your parents come over. <laughs> you know what? You know what? It's the episodes where it's just talking and then one sex scene. The parents are going to come in just at <laughs> yeah, that right. time. <laughs> Always. <laughs> oh. um, so, so as far as that is concerned, I don't condone that at all. In fact, there are, there are some parts that I've just skipped over because I just sort of go, yep, I know what's going to happen. Let's watch the aftermath of that. So um, I, I definitely don't condone the violence. I don't think there's much of a... Um, I don't think there's much of a defense in terms of redeeming that part of the story. However, I will say this. Um, the reason why I like Game of Thrones, well, there are two reasons. The first one is the characters, and that's one that people bring up all the time. Um, George R. R. Martin is just a great writer. Um, you know, one of the things that he said over and over again is that for all the tropes that we like to dig into in fantasy and science fiction and all the other subgenres that surround those sorts of those those two major genres. Um, the most interesting thing that he's found to talk about is the human heart and conflict with itself. And that is something which is super apparent in the show. It's very easy to think of Cersei uh, Lannister as just being purely evil until you actually start to understand, at least early on in the plot, why she does what she does, what motivates her. And she's just one character amongst many characters. And there are some characters that just seem to be kind of pure evil, like Ramsay Bolton, I think is just purely evil. Um, but he was also abused as a child. And the second reason kind of springboards off that Game of Thrones shows war as it is. Um, and I think that's one thing that we can probably criticize a lot of high fantasy for not doing, such as Lord of the Rings, such as the Chronicles of Narnia. And whilst I, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia is, is, is a children's series, um, a lot of fantasy and sci-fi shies away from the brutal realities of war and the lengths that human beings go to to protect themselves or to take advantage of other human beings. Mm. Uh, and if you look at history, some of the atrocities that you see happening in the game, um, not in the game, sorry, in the TV show, are not that far off what people actually do in similar circumstances. Right. Um, and George R. R. Martin himself isn't the sort of person who loves to write about this stuff. He said many times, I've watched many interviews, um, with him and he said that he's a pacifist he hates war he he's anti-war he, he he thinks that war is um unconscionable and and you can't justify war for any reason and so then you ask the question well, why does he write about it so much 
And he said over and over again, the reason that he writes about it is to show what war is really about. And to me, it, it really helps solidify in my mind the myth of redemptive violence, which we so often get caught in, up in in the Western world, that if only we can hurt the other guys or kill the other guys in the name of God or whatever, the name of justice, the name of freedom, in the name of peace or prosperity or our own personal gain, then we can justify it. And what he shows through the books is that that, that is never, ever justified. I know mm-hmm. that's a long-winded answer. Yeah. But so now everyone who disapproves of Game of Thrones is now convinced and will go and watch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, my I will real- say, oh, I will ahead. say, I will say for there, there are many people who shouldn't watch Game of Thrones. My wife is one of them. You know, she she has this she has this um, very vivid imagination, and um, there is such a thing as mirror neurons, where if you view something or you you know you you're with a group of people who are, are something like like have a certain attitude or behavior, then you're some people are more likely to mimic that or are more likely to feel depressed if they only listen to depressing music. So I definitely think that there are a lot of people who shouldn't watch it just to, for their own mental health. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, my follow-up is, do you feel your salvation slipping away every time you watch it? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's the advantage I have is I only got halfway through. So my <laughs> salvation only halfway slipped away. <laughs> And I've managed to claw back, but I think Jesse, you might be a little too far. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. As I said, it was a slippery slope, and I think I've probably fallen into the pit by now. Yeah. You should no. sue VeggieTales. It's their fault. <laughs> but but no, this is a, a real question that I have because of the attitude that we've grown up with of like you have to be so careful about what you allow into your mind and all this stuff. What what's your f- personal philosophy? I mean, I, we've kind of talked about it within talking about game of thrones but is there a line that you guys wouldn't cross um and and where would that be and is there sort of a difference between isolating ourselves to a point where we can't relate to anyone or just you know as adventists would say being in the world and not being distinguishable or unique or whatever i think so part of my journey was when i first came back to being in a relationship with jesus because um, I had some time when I was a teenager and I drifted away. I actually, and I I never pirated music um, and I deleted all <laughs> of my music except for, what are you laughing at? I didn't. I, I, no, I, no, no, no. I didn't. I bought You're it like all. You're like the only um, person in the world. I know. I, know. I, was, just, I was just thinking Every- about <laughs> all the times that I, you know, LimeWire and FrostWire, that was... <laughs> Yeah, clear. this is why everyone else's computers has AIDS, but mine didn't. <laughs> mine was great because I never didn't use LimeWire. <laughs> Josh, Josh truly is the holy one out of our out of our <laughs> podcast. Yeah. I'm the I'm the hands in the mud, sticky, you know, and he's he's like totally above everything. It's because you right, were homeschooled. The, yeah. pu- the pendulum swung way too far the other way. <laughs> yeah, see, I went to an Adventist school, so. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, I, I think, um, and then when I yeah sort of journeyed back, I actually deleted all of my music except for um, and sort of threw out a bunch of CDs that were sort of like, I guess you'd call them secular. Um, and I only listened to Hillsong, which maybe maybe is even more sinful, I don't know. But <laughs> um, And, you know, like Chris Tomlin, basically just like contemporary Christian music because that's just where I was at. Um, and over time... For me, at least, I started feeling like, and talking to other musicians and that kind of thing, 
and even talking to some of the people I really looked up to from Hillsong and other various musicians I really looked up to, um, I began actually sort of listening and like widening, widening what I listened to slowly. Um, I guess you could say it's like a slow journey of compromise or something. But for me, it just felt like I, I learned to actually listen to people's stories through art. Um, and so uh, I'm the kind of person who like, I don't really like listening to single songs. I'd like mm-hmm. to actually listen to a whole album and hear it in the context of the album oh, and that weirdo. kind of thing. Yeah, I know. It's super <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, it's pretty old school, but that's what I like really appreciate because I think there is, um, I think there's a story that people are trying to tell and we use art to do it. And so if I don't engage with it, then I can't hear their story in a way. Mm. And the way I see it personally, the more popular a song or a YouTube or channel or a TV show is, the more people I think resonate with that story. Mm-hmm. So I feel a need for me at least to at least get it, you know, like understand what it is. And so that's why for me, that's what got me into Game of Thrones, but I opted out about halfway through. And that's why like Twilight, for example, I watched the first movie and I watched the last movie and I was fine to miss everything in the middle, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and that kind of thing. Like I I, I like to at least know what people are engaging with. And I don't think everybody needs to do that. But for me, like I just see it as, um, as, as somebody who I see myself as a like kind of like a, a missionary in the in the Western world sort of thing, and trying to reach um, my people, is I feel the need to hear their stories. If I don't hear their stories, how can I reach those people? Yeah. Now, having said that, there's a lot of stories and things I still don't listen to and choose not to engage with. Um, there's things that I start engaging with and stop. So, um, for me, uh, it probably isn't the answer that a lot of. It's not the black and white answer that a lot of people like. But for yeah. me, I've I feel the need to like just. Yeah, I don't know. Like, see what I'm listening to or engaging with as a story that somebody is telling, um, of their of their heart and their experience, and then learning how. Okay, how do I engage with that and understand that, and what does that say about my culture today? That's sort of the journey that I go on, and so it helps me choose what to consume and what not to consume. Hmm. Hmm. Jesse. Yeah, I I I don't know. I agree with a lot with what Josh is saying. I think that it is hard because I could say, look. I like this, but I don't like this. Or I'll go so far with this, but not so far with that. Um, I mean, for me personally, I really don't like horror, so I tend Ooh, to just not go same. there. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I've got I've got some friends who really have been loving the Jordan Peele movies that have been coming out a few <laughs> over the past few years. Get Out and Us, and everybody says they're great and they look great, but I just don't want to go there. That's just me though. Um, mm. I I I was um, on Steam. I'm a PC gamer. Josh mentioned he was into Nintendo. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a PC gamer. You know PC uh, Master Race. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you know how it is. Um, but <laughs> uh, I, I I was on a Steam sale a few. I think it was a few years ago now, and I saw the new Doom game. And I used to play Doom when I was a kid, or I had friends who played it at least. And I thought everybody was raving about how great this was. And in a moment of weakness, I thought, oh, I'll play it. I'll, I'll, I'll buy it because it was on sale. I played it. I think I've played maybe an hour of it. I just can't finish it because it's, you know, you're, you're, you're running around a super soldier fighting demons. And I'm like, oh, it's a great shooter. It has great mechanics. It's super fun and satisfying to play. But the music, the atmosphere, the content matter, for me, I was just like, ah, oh, I, I just can't do this. So... Is Doom a Christian game? I mean, you're it's killing allegorical. demons. So yeah. 
<laughs> so is it a Christian game or not a Christian game? <laughs> no, I'm confused. That's uh, that's a good point. Maybe I can play it um, metaphorically. <laughs> you're Peter and you're just running around saying, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you're running around, Mars, yeeting demons. <laughs> um. So yeah, as far as I as, as far as I'm concerned, it it has to be a personal thing. I don't I just don't like it. I'll say this as a black and white rule for me. I reject anybody who will try and give me a black and white scale for mm. what's okay and what's not okay. Um case in point, another thing that I used to I I have like a, an on-off relationship with is the card game Magic the Gathering. Um the most popular card game of all time it's been around since 93 so it's you know over 20 years old um when i was a kid i I was along with harry potter and everything else like i was not allowed to to play it because the title is magic and you can't play with magic because (laughs) magic is evil because any engaging with anything that has sorcery or witchcraft or magic in it even if it's just in the title that's a gate it's a it's a gateway drug yeah, um, that's the Witch of Endor. Not even the Magic School Bus. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it, it, and, and I've had this conversation with Pokemon. Um, I, you know, I got into trouble with a... I, I was a youth pastor at a church, and I got in trouble with a parent a few years ago when Pokemon Go was a big thing because she believed that um, when the po- the creators of Pokemon... Um, get this for a hot take on Pokemon... <laughs> Um, when when the creators of Pokemon created their monsters, their their pocket monsters, they had demons appear to them in the form of these pocket monsters yes. and tell them what. Yeah, you've heard that as well. Uh, Not that super... specific one, but this is a common trope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the implication is, of course, that it's inherently demonic. It's all inherently demonic. We create these crazy stories around it. We we demonize it, and and and. One thing that I've always tried to figure out, which and I've always come so close to trying to figure out, but I haven't, is what the actual fear is. Like, is it is it supposedly that we're going to end up, we're going to play Pokemon or we're going to play Magic the Gathering or we're going to, you know, li- what, read the Lord of the Rings or whatever, and then we're going to end up a Satanist worshipping mm-hmm. in a cult somewhere, dark and sinister and be lost forever. Like, is this is this what, what the fear is? Um, I just don't know. Um, yeah. And, well, and yeah, so. Well, I think that is how I've heard the fear articulated a lot. And I think that, um, that it, all of it is driven by fear. But the problem for me is that the fear that keeps you from doing anything inhibits your ability to then make your own conscious choices like you guys making your conscious choices about game of thrones or about doom or whatever you're making a choice about and saying this is something that personally i feel that i don't want to consume that's a lot different than saying across the board just no because it's scary um i think you become a more mature person by exercising your ability to to discriminate different things and say okay, I'm doing this for a reason and this is why I'm doing it and allowing yourself to sort of mature as a person. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, having said that, I think it can be really helpful. I mean, if you're a newer Christian or you're sort of, maybe you're in a state where you're going, you need to just go back to basics or something. I think it can be really helpful to have some 
some black and whites and even mm-hmm. just letting somebody who's maybe somebody you look up to like as a more like somebody who you're like oh yeah I, when I, I i want my faith to develop like theirs or something i want to be in a similar similar journey to them it can be helpful to have like outside guidance on it at least for a time i but i never think it should be a permanent yeah. a permanent no. thing like no yeah uh, that that's the thing i think that's why like I, I think we need to actually, at least for baby, like baby Christians. I don't know. I don't Yeah. <laughs> they, no, I agree with that. Yeah. They, they just need, I, sometimes yeah. lines need to be draw, drawn a little bit stronger to help mm. the, at least the initial stage of development. Just like children, like you have to make really staunch rules, but then when they're older, right. they can put their hand on a fry pan if they want. It's their choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. And that's why like you, you homeschool your kids and keep them in a bunker Kimmy Schmidt style until they're, you know, 20 years old. And then you say now, <laughs> no, but there's, there's legitimacy to people's different people's ability to handle certain things. But ultimately, like you said, um, you know, if we just live in fear of everything all the time, then, well, it's not good for your nerves for one thing. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, and I think I think the call of I think the call of Christianity is for growth and discipleship and to um and, and to, to mature as as a person as well as spiritually. And I think that if we want to mature as a as a Christian, then we have to mature in the way that we deal with everyday life, including our our, our media. And I think if we live in a constant state of fear, like Here's the issue that I have with that that the, the attitude of fear that so many people get um, trapped into is that I think it really kind of emasculates the power of Christ in us. Um, you know, as, as I've said to people over the years who have kind of questioned me about sort of the stuff that I, that I like, you know, in terms of media, video games, films, yada, 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 I, I just have to remind them and remind myself of, okay, number one, I love Jesus. I'm all about the church. I'm all about wanting to see his kingdom come and his will be done in my life as well as in the life of the people around me. If there's anything in my life that is drawing me away from that or anything in my life that is causing me to want to idolize something other than God, then that's something that I have to deal with in myself. And I have dealt with that many times in my own spiritual life, putting down certain things, stopping certain um, certain things that I've been into that have you know, pull me away from God, whether they're inherently harmful and sometimes in most cases, they're not inherently bad. They're just, they just, you know, cause me to um, put them above God, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. It's like a hindrance yeah. or like a hindrance. unhelpful, unhelpful. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, and that, that isn't something that you can just tell people to do. Like yeah. this is a black and white thing. This is, this is, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It means to constantly be struggling with what you want to do versus what you know is right or what you know um, is going to help you grow in your in your walk with, with Christ. But I think if we live in that constant state of fear of, I can't engage with this, I can't engage with that, otherwise I might slip into this into the into the clutches of some demon, yeah, I think yeah. that really emasculates the power of Jesus because, you know, I believe that the spiritual powers of heaven are far greater than the spiritual powers of darkness. I, I think that that Christ in me, the hope of glory, as you know, Paul says in Colossians, how you know when Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed and humiliated the powers of darkness. Um, so essentially, Satan, the Satan, and 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 the spiritual powers and principalities 
um, of darkness, they are kind of emasculated, they're kind of disarmed, and, and we have Christ living in us. And, and I think Christ helps us to be discerning and helps us to grow and spiritually mature. And there's, compared to him, the powers of darkness are nothing. Yeah. Mm. Bravo! <laughs> um, now we mode, need our, our benediction song. <laughs> Josh, that's your job. Wait, I'll just go grab my guitar. <laughs> no, now, now I'm going to hit you with the really serious question. Is it okay to watch YouTube on Sabbath? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Only if you're watching Justin Koo, <laughs> that Christian vlogger. <laughs> Or Emily Weber, for or that like, matter. Oh, true. You know, yeah. Him, him playlists or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not in the Bible, so there you go. Ironclad <laughs> argument, if you ask me. <laughs> but there is this kind of, you know, like when I was a kid, there was this line of like, you know, we don't watch, uh, we don't watch movies non-christian movies on sabbath yeah we only yep. play bibleopoly but not monopoly <laughs> <laughs> we only play trees and flowers but not you know whatever <laughs> there was a distinct separation between sabbath things and non-sabbath things for me at least psychologically in my mind youtube is like i mean it's not it's not not sabbathy but it's also <laughs> Not really Sabbathy it's a, either. <laughs> it's a very precarious neutral zone. Yeah. 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 So if yeah, we, what's it? Oh yeah, you go first, Jesse. Oh no. Oh, all I was gonna say is, if we had another hour, we could spend another hour talking about sacred versus secular because yeah, right. that is a fascinating <laughs> conversation, and I think that it's one that we definitely need to have more of. Yeah. Or like. Just because it's nature doesn't mean that that's appropriate. Or just because it's a song with no words, then it's not secular, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. My favorite Sabbath Sabbath <laughs> afternoon song is um, anything by Post Malone without lyrics. It's just perfect for Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> as long as yeah, there's no like lyrics, it's fine. Dubstep <laughs> works, EDM works, all of that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, I think, like, uh, oh wait, are we seriously answering this one? Cause I oh, if you <laughs> have something to say, yeah, go okay. for it. Um, I guess, I mean, Jesse and I talk about this a lot because we had very different upbringings. Um, I had quite a, li- more like, I guess a more like liberal upbringing and he had a not liberal upbringing. Um, <laughs> I had a uh, conservative Adventist homeschooled upbringing. A it's bunker all good, upbringing. Yeah, yeah, I had a Kimmy Schmidt upbringing. <laughs> well, at least you're unbreakable. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> um... So, yeah, I, I was thinking like I was thinking about this just recently because I think the way I keep Sabbath is probably different to other people, but I try not to go into details about it because I don't want people to just think that they just should just copy what I do. <laughs> but I think a big thing about Sabbath is that you you can get out you can get out of it what you put in mm. in a way. And I think like I think that's why I don't really care to tell people what they should and shouldn't do on Sabbath. But I feel a better thing is to say, well, what do you want to get out of this Sabbath in particular? Yeah. What do you really need out of this Sabbath when you come? Because Sabbath was actually made for man. So it's a gift God is giving you, but it's a gift that is so big and broad and it's made by God that you actually have the option to actually say, well, okay, what do I want to get out of this Sabbath coming up? And um, I think that's a really valuable, like a really valuable question, at least for me to ask. Um, so some Sabbaths, I keep them really differently to others, um, but yeah. they all still have the same guarding principles. And the key is that I'm saying, 
I want to get this out of this coming Sabbath and this is the journey I want to go on with God over this next 24 hours. Um, mm. Does it always work like that? No, because I'm a pastor and sometimes it's just like, hey, can you come and do this and this and this? And oh, you're a pastor. <laughs> you know, but it's like if, if I get the time to myself um, or like to choose everything I do that day, I kind of have a, a, a rough thought train of, well, I know what I want to get out of this Sabbath. Yeah. So I know what I'm going to choose not to do and I know what I'm going to choose to do. Yeah. Nice. That's a good way to mm. put it. So basically, mm, across the board, no YouTube. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, anything. You should actually, I have a straight jacket that anyone can borrow. You just you use just that stand in the and a little room. With your nose in the corner and just stand there for the whole day. Yeah, and we can print out some Bible verses, but only from the KJV and put those on the wall. <laughs> okay, this is my final question before we close out and plug social media and everything like that. <laughs> have you... Either of you watched The Elephant Princess? Mm, no. What? No. no sorry, I haven't. <gasps> I'm very intrigued. This is like the only Australian show I've ever seen. And I was <laughs> desperate that you two would have seen it. It's about Hang this. On, I'm just going to Google it. <laughs> yeah, Google it. It had, the, it had uh, Chris Hemsworth back in the. Wait, Liam Hemsworth back in the day. Oh, oh. No. That one doesn't care. We don't care about that one. No. <laughs> It was on, uh, I think it was on Disney Channel here, but I watched it in college. Uh, and it was like, Wait. it's about this girl who's like a princess from somewhere and like an, an elephant comes and this guy comes to her uh, where she lives in Australia and they have like hijinks and adventures and stuff. Wow. We I'm didn't have elephants in Australia there. though. I'm confused. I, I know because the... That came from the magical land of which she was the princess. Oh, I'm highly okay. disappointed okay. in you guys. Highly. Disappointed. Oh, this is the whole <laughs> podcast is ruined. Oh no. Well, have you seen Hunt for the Wilder People? I, it's like the New Zealand movie. I yeah. Seen, I've seen the trailer for it. I haven't watched well, it. <laughs> you need to watch it, Emily. We'll watch the Elephant Princess okay. if you watch Hunt for the Wilder People, and you're definitely getting the better end of this deal. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should just clarify, actually, for people listening. So we are both Australian, but we're both living in New Zealand as yes. pastors. Hence why yes. I'm plugging a New Zealand movie, because <laughs> that's my people right now. Yeah, because yeah. um, <laughs> my American audience won't be able to distinguish your accent from a New Zealand accent. They won't. <laughs> that's true. No, that's true. Yeah. But I mean, consider... some of the, a lot of the Kiwis here have not even realized I'm Australian because my accent, it hasn't become a Kiwi accent, but it's just not no. a very pronounced Australian one. Apparently, uh, many Kiwis mistake my accent for American, which I, I, I'm sorry, I take I take deep of deep offense at. That's <laughs> hilarious. I don't, I don't, I don't see how anybody could construe my accent to be American. But there you go. Maybe there is something in there somewhere. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. um, if people want to check out your podcast, where can they find you? Other social media you want to plug? Things you want to say in closing? Mm. Well, for all things Burn the Haystack, you can go to burnthehaystack.org. All right. Well, yeah. I encourage everyone to check out Burn the Haystack podcast um, as well as your other social media platforms. Well, thanks for coming on. Glad to have you guys. We'll have to do it again sometime. Maybe we should do a stream sometime together. That would be fun. That Ooh. would be epic. Yeah. Okay, guys, this is epic. <laughs> oh, gosh. Just then the boy whips out his ukulele. 
This episode of the Adventist Millennial Podcast was brought to you by Abi Oyo, the scary monster from that one book that LeVar Burton was reading in The Reading Rainbow. Abi Oyo made a huge donation to this podcast, which is a lot more than I can say for you people. Well, you know the giant had never heard a song about himself before. And a foolish grin spread over the giant's face.